0: This is Let's Talk to Lucy, starring Lucille Ball. A very warm welcome to you all. I'm Gary Morton, and now, let's talk to Lucy.
1: Hi, this is Lucy. Today, I am on the back lot at Universal Studios, and I'm doing a little vignette, as they say, in a Bob Hope special. Now, as you may know, Bob and I exchange guest shots on
0: our shows.
1: Hi, Bob. I want to thank you very much for asking me out here to
0: this little cow pasture. Thank you, and I'm happy to be on the Ball Network.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> that's you,
0: Bob. Yeah. I
1: am so thrilled to be out here today. And don't forget, now you owe me another shot.
0: No, th- not the guess way I, not the way I figure. You know, you're like Crosby. I forget who owes who. <laughs> but I think you owe me two short guest shots, and then we'll be even.
1: That's not true, Bob. That's I, think not so. true.
0: I think so. Well, I think so. I know no money's ever changed hands. I've been waiting for some. <laughs>
1: There isn't enough <laughs> money in the world to pay you, <laughs> Rapid Robert. It
0: goes for you, too, darling.
1: Bob, yeah. before you run, I just wanted to ask you something about Dolores and Tony and Nora.
0: Well, of course, you know that I went to Nora's graduation... And, uh, made they, a speech? I made a speech. Like they,
1: all the other fathers? That's
0: you're... true. I have to, and she asked I me, mean, you can't turn your daughter down, especially at a moment like that, a triumphant moment, you know. That's right. Although they don't allow the kids to pray in school, we've been praying, everybody's been <laughs> praying that she made it. <laughs> and they couldn't get the other uh, speaker they wanted. Ringo has tonsillitis, so <laughs> I uh, I showed up and uh, <laughs> at the, at the uh, Starlight Bowl, and they condemned it right after that. Yeah. We had a wonderful time.
1: And where is Nora going? Nora's going season? to
0: school up in San Francisco, a very smart school. She got in under an assumed name, <laughs> and I think, that, <laughs> I think it'll be wonderful. Tony, of course, is still in law back at Harvard. He's in his Isn't third... Isn't that wonderful? Going back to his third year, and I think he's uh, just I didn't about, know he
1: was going to be a lawyer.
0: Well, he's going to try, and I think he, uh, he'd be uh, out in time to protect me the way I'm going.
1: <laughs> What's Nora majoring in?
0: Uh, majoring in English, and... She doesn't uh, want
1: to be a teacher, does she?
0: Well, no, I don't think so. I think she's leaning towards Max Factor. I think she's leaning on the whole bit.
1: How is Dolores these days, your lovely wife?
0: She's fine. She's playing golf, embarrassingly good. Really? Yeah, she knocked me off the other day. Really? Well, I'll have to play
1: with her in Palm Springs sometime. You you
0: must, you must. She's ready, believe me.
1: Tell me, Bob, uh, when are you coming over to see me again?
0: Anytime you're ready. I'm available for all small parts. I just
1: wanted that on record. Ah. Thank
0: you, Bob. You owe me one, honey.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Okay, darling. Gee, Gary, I wish Bob had had more time today. But I guess that's why they call him Rapid Robert. He's always on the move.
2: Well, that's right, Lucy. As a matter of fact, I play golf with Bob. And you really have to be on your toes to keep up with that boy. He played 18 holes in 18 minutes.
1: <laughs> Say, Gary. Yeah, Lucy. Speaking of being on your toes, do you know that this is a very special week?
2: Oh, honey, did I forget somebody's birthday? No,
1: no, no. You're very good at remembering birthdays. But this happens to be National Children's Book Week. And all the schools and libraries and bookstores all over the country are celebrating that event.
2: Lucy, I think that's great. You know, when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time reading, and I know how much fun books can be.
1: You're so right, Gary. Books can be fun, and I'm glad you feel that way. You know, the Children's Book Council, who sponsor National Children's Book Week, sent me several very interesting and helpful pamphlets. One of them had an idea that really appealed to me. It said, Reading Aloud... ...will not only bring the family closer together... ...but will do so much to enrich your children's lives.
2: Lucy, does the Council have any specific recommendations... ...as a guide in choosing books for children?
1: Yes, and they're very helpful. They offer selected book lists... ...and they recommend the Horn Book... ...which reviews books for children and contains articles... ...that will help stimulate your child's interest... ...and curiosity in reading. Say, do we have any time left? Yeah, why do you ask? Well, speaking of curiosity... I was skimming through the newspaper the other day, and something caught my eye. It was an article written by a very eminent psychologist. The heading was, Curiosity, How We Develop It. Well, I stopped my skimming because what he had to say made me stop and think a little. And if you're a parent, perhaps you might find it illuminating. Now, here's how he began. Were a person to tally up the content of daily conversation between parents and children... He would discover the mixture included a bit of criticism, a reminder of who forgot what, and a general concern with trivia. Many parents, he went on to say, insist on a higher education for their children and demand good school grades, yet they permit a home atmosphere of almost total television, which makes it difficult for children to achieve those goals. Well, I must say that our house doesn't have anything approximating total TV, but that couple of paragraphs really struck home with me. Curiosity, how we develop it. It's a challenging thought, isn't it? I've been trying for a long time to develop it in my children, in many areas, so I avidly read the rest of the article, and I will try to pass on some of its meaning to you. Now... I am very well aware that the right atmosphere for children is a loving home. That goes without saying. But I'm going to make a very special effort this year to discuss world events and the contents of the daily newspapers with my children in order to stimulate their curiosity about many things. I don't think we have to be great intellectuals to tell them about the wonders of the world we live in. And I'm sure many parents handle the problem every day with excellent results. It's just that I personally feel I can do a little more than I have done. Now, with school underway again, those little minds are open for new subjects and fresh ideas, and it's a perfect time to whet their curiosity. One of the points in the article that uh, made sense to me was that talking about problems only within the home is not enough, like who forgot to feed the cat, or who let the dog out, or who forgot to let the dog out or what's on TV. Spending valuable time on such topics is, is, is it's like being in a blind alley. We must have more important things to discuss with our children. We must turn our interest to more uh, stimulating subjects, subjects that really develop their curiosity. When we as parents exchange opinions and ideas with feeling and with enthusiasm, you know, like, for instance, at the dinner table, I'm sure that that has got to make our children listen and think, and even more vital, get them to join in the discussion. Now, I think if they can feel the excitement of a rousing good talk fest around the house, perhaps they won't have to rely completely on just what happens at school or at play. If they can become involved or, or curious, about what's going on at home, it's entirely possible they won't go astray with a lot of meaningless outside interests. I know that today we're all too apt to leave their curiosity and intellectual development to the school. That's the point. If that's true, we're only doing half the job. My role, your role in stimulating our children to better thoughts, better ideas, and a better life is extremely vital. And by golly, I'm gonna try harder this season. We cannot simply demand good behavior, good grades, and a natural curiosity about life from our children. We must nurture it by sharing their problems, joining in their discussions, and showing them how learning can be fun. We are going to be doing it as a family group so they won't feel it's just another assignment, you know. Yeah, it's a plan that that Gary and I have. And we are going to do it frequently, just as frequently as we can. We're gonna make it a pleasant experience. I know once we get their curiosity going, it's going to lead to many rewarding hours. Understanding is the basis of a deep and satisfying relationship between us parents and our children. And I just have a hunch this might help. Thanks for being with us today, ladies and gentlemen. Bye now. Hi, this is Lucy. Today I am talking to you from Desilu Studios in Hollywood, and my guest is one of my favorite teenagers, Miss Candy Moore. Candy is the young lady who plays my daughter on the Lucy show. And she's also a friend of my own daughter, Lucy. I encourage this friendship because although there is a slight difference in age, I think Candy is one of the nicest, most intelligent teenagers I have ever met. Candy, how old are you?
3: Well, I'm 16
1: now. I never really knew, but I know that you're a very uh, well-liked, serious-minded, intelligent young lady. I have been constantly amazed at your grown-up attitude around the set. Many people have remarked how different you are from most teenagers. I would just like to talk about that for a little bit and see how you, you know, sort of fly right and how come.
3: Well, I think I can attribute that mostly to my parents and the upbringing I've had. The business has helped me too, working with adults and the experience of it. But I think mostly my parents are responsible, even if I weren't
1: in the business, I think I would be the same way. What a nice thing to say, Candy, and very few teenagers even think that way.
3: Well, they've just been wonderful. My parents were married very young. We've all sort of grown up together and we've had a wonderful life. And I really owe everything to them.
1: What Uh, are your outside interests, Candy?
3: Well, I I like my schoolwork very much. You do? Yes. I plan to go on to college and i want to take psychology and philosophy and art and i want to broaden my interests as much as possible i still want to act but i want to have something to to go back on when i'm not acting what college do you want to go to well i want to go to ucla i think
1: really that's such a big place i should think you would prefer a smaller uh, school
3: well it's actually the most convenient i would be able to work from there and still attend the classes
1: oh that's right I hadn't thought about that of course it's adjacent if, to Hollywood
3: yes if I wanted to go to a smaller college I would have to leave the
1: area and I don't want to stop that's acting right. I
3: want my cake and eat it too I suppose. and you can
1: have it because you're a very serious-minded young lady and what you go after you usually get and you get it such a nice way you have a lovely disposition besides being a very beautiful girl that doesn't seem incidentally to have spoiled you any being very beautiful you have a lovely complexion a lovely figure which you get from your mommy i know do uh, do you have any beauty hints that you would like to give other teenagers rest i know is one of them yes. i have heard you mention many times that you have to get your rest i do
3: i'm like a baby i need at least eight or nine hours sleep
1: well it shows the results are there
3: well thank you and i don't need a lot of sweets i just eat fresh fruits. does that
1: account for your beautiful teeth
3: well my parents do have straight teeth i think that's the hereditary part of it but certainly you have to maintain a nice mouth you have to eat good foods and see the dentist regularly too
1: especially if he's attractive
3: yes <laughs> well ours isn't too attractive but he's a very good
1: dentist i hope he's not listening i do too <laughs> do you uh, ride horses or uh, play golf or anything
3: yes i love horses. I want to have a horse ranch when I grow up. A
1: horse ranch? Yes,
3: I hope my future husband realizes that.
1: Oh, so you're planning on being married?
3: Yes, in the future, but that's where I'd like to live. How many children
1: would you like to have? Five.
3: Why five children? Well, I've been an only child, and I love children, and I've always loved a family life, so I want to have five and raise them, and I hope they'll be very close.
1: Well, that's wonderful. Because I always
3: missed having brothers or sisters, even though I was close with my parents.
1: Well, yes, and that would maybe uh, not give your own children quite as much closeness with their parents. Did it ever occur to you that having five children, uh, they don't get that closeness?
3: No, I think the right parent can manage it where they all stay closely now. I just
1: wondered how you would answer that. <laughs> That's a wonderful answer. Are you going to spend three or four years in college, you think? Well, I'd like to go maybe six
3: years and get my master's degree. Whenever I go into something, I like to do the best I possibly can and get the best results. So I'd like a master's, and even though I wouldn't have to rely on it for an occupation, probably, the satisfaction and the achievement of it would greatly enrich my life.
1: Isn't that marvelous? I notice the type of boys that you're interested in are also quiet, well-behaved young men. I, I saw you give the boot to a couple who weren't.
3: Well, I like to respect a boy, and I I judge that if I would feel proud to take him home and introduce him to my parents and my friends. I like to feel that when I'm with a boy, I'm proud to be seen with him. And I demand respect
1: from a boy, and I respect him in turn. Um, tell me, Candy, how do you manage your money?
3: Well, out here in California, they have a system where the judge or the court takes out a certain percentage of your weekly salary.
1: So you've put your money away for some time for your schooling.
3: Uh, I get it when I'm 21, unless I were to need it before that for college, but my parents will be taking care of that, so I'll just leave it there until I'm 21, and then I will have a nice Mm -hmm. amount of money.
1: What have you done in preparation for a home and and, uh, how to take care of a home?
3: Well, that's my biggest fault. I'm not very domestic.
1: You're not? How do you you (laughs) take care of five children and a husband?
3: Well, that's a good question. And a horse. I don't like housework at all. And I can't sew. I'm trying to learn how to knit. How
1: about cooking? I
3: I tried a few dishes but those cookbooks, I I really think that they don't try out their recipes before they put it down on paper. They couldn't possibly because I follow the directions exactly and they never turn out.
1: I'm going to put out a cookbook for teenagers. I really am. (laughs)
3: That's good. I'll be the first customer. (laughs) Uh,
1: What advice would you give to young girls uh, your age who aspire Uh, to the acting profession there's such a a lot of girls who are running away from home and coming out here and starving to death and getting into a lot of trouble have you anything to say to these poor misguided children
3: well (coughs) they shouldn't come out here with the hope that everybody's just waiting for them to arrive and that they're just going to take them immediately and put them in a big starring role because it very seldom happens this way these overnight successes that you hear about
1: they've usually been around hollywood for 10 years Yes, and they don't realize that they have to exist while they're looking for work, and that's where they get into really great trouble. As much as I can, I advise young people to get whatever they can in the business in their own hometown. Take Make yes. use of their radio and their television in their own hometown, see if they can get into that there, and so that they get a feeling for the business. And also, for heaven's sake, I beg them to learn typing or shorthand or bookkeeping or something, well, something that some they way can to earn a living in the a meantime. Yes. And also to evaluate themselves very carefully to make sure that they really want to be a part of this business. Sometimes they leave home so early uh, just to get away from just home away, yes. that they don't realize how homesick and how terrible it is to be alone how homesick they're going to be away from their family
3: well dedication is of the essence in any type of art particularly dramatics because a lot of work has to go into it and if you're just in for the the uh, monetary value Mm, yes
1: just for the money you're lost because there's not that much money around and there are an awful lot of young girls and boys out of work
3: you've got to enjoy it and you've got to want to do it with all your heart
1: uh we get so many hundreds of letters about you And they want to know what kind of girl you are, and uh, I think this little interview will help answer a lot of the questions. Well, thank you, Candy. I've enjoyed very much talking to you, and I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed it.
3: Thank you so much. It was very nice being here. Bye. Bye.
1: Hi, this is Lucy. Today my guest is one of the funniest men I know, Mr. Gail Gordon, who plays Mr. Mooney on The Lucy Show. Gail, we have had so many, many letters from your fans asking what you're really like that I've decided to let you tell them. Now, Gail, what are you really like? First of all, you're married.
2: Yes, yes, I've been married for 27 years.
1: 27 years?
2: To the same woman.
1: That is something to to rave about. Where do you live?
2: We live in Borrego Springs. Where's that? Well, I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Uh, that's uh, 175 miles south and east of Hollywood in the low desert it's between Indio and El Centro which gives you a rough idea of where it is to get to it would take an hour and 45 minutes to describe so uh, I just say it's uh, 30 miles due west of the Salton Sea there you are
1: that's Uh, a wild territory that I know and you have lived there for some time
2: we've lived there seven years now
1: What do you uh, do in your spare time down in Borrego Springs?
2: Well, aside from being the honorary mayor, which is the only uh, civic activity... That that you have time for. Yes. I do my own uh, building and plumbing and electrical work. You do?
1: Gail, Uh, I had no idea you were so handy around the house.
2: Oh, uh, yes, it's... uh, but the only thing I'm really good at... Oh, too.
1: that's well, not true. Well, you're, you're very are true. good at the acting profession and I'm so glad we have your services. Well,
2: I'm very grateful that I'm with you.
1: We get a lot of chances on our show to have fun, don't we? Yeah. And that we yeah. do.
2: Yes, and I like the, the stimulus of working with you particularly and Vivian because you're both so uh, professional and it's such a, an inspiration to know that someone is taking comedy Seriously, because a lot of people don't. They think it's just, uh, you know, you read a funny line and there's no work to it.
1: This is something that's so hard to tell people that are starting in the business about how to take comedy seriously. Did you ever try to explain it to anyone? It's impossible, isn't it? Absolutely,
2: absolutely impossible.
1: But you do have to take comedy very seriously, and that's something that you do, and that's why you're such a joy to work with. Tell me, I notice in the letters from the fans, so many of your contemporary men fans, ask how they could get into the business the way you have. Would you like to just give us an idea how long you've been in the business, Gail?
2: Well, I can do that very easily. I've been in the business 42 years. 42 years Mm
1: -hmm. perfecting what you're doing.
2: Well, trying to, yes. But I started in, uh, as most people did, when I went into the profession at the bottom. I was a a super in a play in uh, New York on Broadway with Richard Bennett which I got $15 a week. And I said nothing at all. It was just atmosphere. Finding out a character part at the ripe age of 19 in a play called Seventh Heaven and toured with that.
1: A character part at 19? Yeah. You haven't been playing character parts since then though, have you? Entirely. Uh,
2: no, but I know you usually. prefer them. Mhm. Yeah. There's,
1: there's more meat in them, isn't there? yes so to I speak. What is your advice to anyone um, that is your contemporary right now. There are a lot of men your age who think they should be breaking into the business now.
2: Well, I think if, uh, if they're at my age, they're uh, bordering senility, and i think <laughs> it's a little late.
1: <laughs> ah, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but, I mean, you know, it's, if you're going to start into a profession, you shouldn't wait until you're... <laughs> <laughs> almost 60, which I am. But I'm,
1: uh, well, I still get letters from men almost 60 <laughs> really? that would like to know how to get the kind of work that Gail Gordon has.
2: Well, I'm just very lucky. They, they would be very lucky to get the kind of work I have.
1: You wouldn't advise them to stop what they're doing now and try to break into the profession, in other words?
2: Not if they're making enough money to keep the wolf from the door, Do no.
1: you do any teaching, Gail? Because you certainly could.
2: No, I never have. I would like to teach. I love to teach, as a matter of fact. When I was in the service, I was a teacher on the rifle range, if you can call it that, but I do like to handle people and and Do you like to
1: teach to... anything in the acting profession?
2: Well, I don't know whether I'd have the presumption to think that I could teach.
1: You could tell about how to get something done, and uh, how to better a, a line and how to better a performance. You've done it on our set.
2: Well, to a limited degree, but I don't think you can teach anyone to be a great performer anymore, and you can teach someone to be a great painter. You can teach them how to use a brush, how to apply colors, and what the canvas is for. But what comes out of their doing it is something that comes from within them. And it's the same with acting. You can teach a person how to move and to sit and to speak and to enunciate and project, but there has to be something inside that comes through that makes them either good or bad.
1: Well, just what you've said, you see, is part of teaching. Something that a lot of people should hear and hear repeatedly until it sinks in. I get a lot of letters asking about uh, what you do with uh, yourself to keep so healthy and in such good shape.
2: Well, I think it's just a case of uh, doing good, hard physical work and other things that are not necessarily classed as exercise. Like uh, last week, I Put in 1,100 feet of one-inch water pipe, for instance. Oh, that'll do it. And that, that'll <laughs> do it. And it's 108 in the shade. Why, uh, That keeps you trim.
1: Yeah, that keeps your weight down, doesn't it? Yeah. That's better than a steam cabinet down there.
2: <laughs> yeah, much better. And I get a lot done at the same time instead of uh, just sitting in the steam.
1: Yes, did you uh, work in musicals when you were uh, on Broadway? Where did you get your musical knowledge and your dancing technique?
2: Well, you're very flattering to say, uh, use the word technique, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, n- I never did any uh, musicals uh, until quite late in life. Two or three years ago, I did Damn Yankees in uh, Kansas City, and scared myself to death because I had to sing <laughs> a number, and, and once in stock in Denver. Where'd you learn to
1: to do cartwheels?
2: My father taught me that when I was about seven or eight years old. My sister and I both used to do cartwheels at the drop of a hat, anywhere.
1: Uh Uh-huh. I I never never learned to do a cartwheel. That's the one thing I have had to draw the line on. I wish I did know. It would have come in handy a few
2: (laughs) times. (laughs) Well, you certainly do everything else on some of these shows. Um,
1: have you uh, any little anecdotes that uh, you can remember about richard bennett or some of the people that you've worked with gail
2: well usually things that happen uh, in in the theater that they're not things that can be repeated yes. and that's what makes them so terribly <laughs> terribly funny and so agonizing when you're on the stage and you Especially... something happens you Dared break up.
1: Uh, spe- especially with Richard Bennett. I understand he was quite a ladies' man. That's right. Oh, he was so handsome. That
2: I remember. Oh, uh, and a wonderful actor. A he great, was a great actor? Oh, a great performer. He could just take an audience and make them do anything he wanted them to do.
1: We don't have matinee idols like that anymore, do we? Well, I I don't
2: know. I I didn't swoon over Bennett, so I'm not in a position (laughs) to (laughs) to tell. I
1: think that the theater business right now could stand another great, great matinee idol.
2: Oh, I think so.
1: America is um, worshiping youth, and I think it takes maturity to... uh, to become what we're talking about, a great matinee idol. They were all mature men. I think it's too bad about when we talk about the uh, worshiping of youth, because it puts such a strain on the young people to be uh, idolized by millions. They're not able to cope with it. They really haven't lived long enough to know what to do with all the success and adoration
2: that is is a a very important aspect of it they have never learned that this is only a fleeting thing they've never had a chance to learn that's right this is their tragedy because later on it's very hard to go from the top the pinnacle down to a more intermediate level of life and living and this is the thing that is such a tragedy for most of them
1: it certainly is that's the word a tragedy and we've seen a lot of it just recently Mm -hmm. haven't
2: we great deal
1: we have to get back to the set. They are calling us, Gail. Thank awesome. you very much for dropping up to the studio today.
2: Great pleasure.
1: And let's get back to work. All righty. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Mr. Gail Gordon. I was talking to, who plays Mr. Mini Mooney on the Lucy Show. I hope you have enjoyed listening to us today, because he's a love.
2: Are you loving? Let's talk to Lucy
1: then you have a real treat in store for you. A new episode is being released every week on the SXM app and wherever you listen to podcasts.